like to at this time welcome our KKVV radio audience, 1060 on your AM dial. You have now tuned in to the Abundant Life Seventh-day Adventist Church Divine Worship Hour. We would like for you to come and visit us at any time. We are located at 1720 North J Street, Las Vegas, Nevada. If you would like to tune in to our service online, you may tune in to www.abundantlifelv.org. Our speaker today is Pastor Ayacopo, Ayacopo Fuao. We are looking forward to hearing the Lord speak through him. After our scripture reading, I correction, after our sacred selection by Miss Wylena Collins, the next voice you will hear will be that of Pastor Fuawo, affectionately known as Pastor Jacobs. Hear ye him. Good morning, church. Good morning. Happy Sabbath. Just as I Oh 
Good morning, church. Here today is communion service, so I'm not going to preach a long sermon. Uh, last week we uh, were in San Jose enjoying the family reunion for my wife's family, and uh, now we host. Uh, my wife's uh, nieces and uh, eldest sister. Amen. And uh, I shall call upon them to come and sing because this might be the last Sabbath yes. before I, I, I preach. Amen. So I have my... Uh, yes.
I'm putting on my best behavior now because now I have my other two sister-in-laws with us. And uh, it's the first time we get together as a family. Uh, we have five here, my wife's uh, nieces, and uh, the one with the baby, that's my wife's uh, youngest sister. She's schooling at Loma Linda University. And uh, the eldest sister is not here. She's going up uh, to Alaska, and she's going to come back to come back to Colorado. She's uh, uh, she will have a study over there. She's I think that's part of a doctorate uh, in education. But uh, we are happy to have you here with us. So I let them to sing. My beautiful wife is here. Yesterday was her birthday.
Praise the Lord. These are five nieces of my wife. None of them has reached uh, 30 years old. But because of the food in Samoa, that's why they grow big like that. <laughs> Let's pray. Father in heaven, we are here today to worship you and you alone. And also we are here today to celebrate the price that you have paid because you value us and our relationships. Be with us and be with me as I speak on your behalf. In Jesus' precious name I pray. Amen. Lost through negligence and ignorance. Lost through negligence and ignorance. There was a discovery about the Japanese people living in the homeland of Japan, Hawaii, and California. The Japanese living at the homeland live longer than those living in Hawaii. And the Japanese living in Hawaii live longer than those living in California. But the Japanese residing in California, they die early. Then a survey was conducted to determine why the, the lifespan of the Japanese living in these areas are very different. And it's important what they discover as the cause of this lifespan difference. It is not because of their diet, not because of their lifestyle, but it is simply because of their family relationships and fellowships. In Japan, people still maintain strong family relationships and fellowship, so they live longer. Those in Hawaii, the Japanese still have family relationship and fellowship, but not really as strong as those in the homeland. But those in California, there was less or no family relationships at all, so they died the earliest and have the shortest lifespan than those in Hawaii and those in Japan. So as Christians, what can we learn from this survey? I believe number one, if we want to live longer and live happily, we need to belong to where we can have fellowship to one another, a place like a family, and a place like a church. And secondly, the more we become so individualistic, the earlier we die. Because we were created as social beings, we need others, and especially, we need God. America became a very individualistic society. And do you know that the I becomes a marketing letter today? For example, we have iHop, we have iPod, coming we have iPhone, 
And no wonder why people tend to work and worship the I and the me. Saying, I don't need God. I don't need your Jesus. I have a house. I have a job. I have a family. I have a nice home. So I can manage without God. Can we? Let's see who we really are according to God's perspective. Number one, we have nothing. Job says in chapter 1 verse 21, Naked I came from my mother's womb, and naked shall I return there. First Timothy 6, 7 says, For we brought nothing to this world, and it is certain that we carry nothing out. Psalms 50 verse 10 says, For every beast of the forest is mine, and the cattle on the thousand hills. Even birds on the mountains and the wild beasts of the field are mine. Haggai chapter 2 verse 8, God says, The silver is mine, and the gold is mine, says the Lord of hosts. And Deuteronomy, God says, even the strength that we have to go and earn money comes from where? Comes from God. And if all that we have and enjoy belong to God, can we manage without him? No. But that's not all. There's more. Number two, we are all born lost. And handicap with sin. Isaiah 53 verse 6 reads like this. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. Number one, the Bible says all we. It can refer to the whole nation of Israel or all humanity. All humanity are like sheep we have gone astray. Like sheep, the Bible says, we smell because we are sinners. And like sheep, the Bible says, we are lost through ignorance and negligence. There's something interesting about a ship. They know they are lost, but they don't know how to come back. So the Bible says, we are like ship. We are all lost from home, lost from God. And not only that, the Bible says, we are directed by our own sinful nature that is bending away from good. So collectively and individually, the whole world sin, and the whole world need atonement and redemption. Second, we have turned our own way, ways of unbelief, ways of denial, Individualistic is always part of our lost state. And it is a fruit of our sinful nature. 
And individualistic people don't sense the danger of being alone with God. And the danger is we are so comfortable in being by ourselves, doing our own things in our own way, in denial of our need of God. Number three, Isaiah says, the Lord had laid upon me our iniquity. Do you know Jesus volunteered to become a sin sacrifice for us? And Paul says in 2 Corinthians 5.21, For he made him who knew no sin to become sin. That we might become the righteousness of God in him. So Jesus left the glory and came down here on earth to do the will of his father voluntarily. Because he loves you and he loves me. And at Gethsemane, he prayed, my father. If it is possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but your will. Three times Jesus prayed, Father, if it is possible, take this cup away from me. In other words, Jesus prayed, Father, if there is another way to save fallen humanity, do it. But he realized there's no other way. So he said, not my will, but thy will. The fact is, God never lost us. Because he has an everlasting love for us. Because he loves sinners and hates their sin. Because he demonstrates his love for us while we are still what? Sinners. But we tend to lose God through negligence and ignorance because we are all born without Christ and without God. And as sinners living in an individualistic society like America, it is possible for us to lose Jesus through negligence and ignorance. Do you know, church, that the Gospel of Luke begins with a story of a lost Jesus and ends with a story of a lost Jesus again? In Luke chapter 2, verse 42 to 52, it is a story about Jesus who got lost because of the negligence of his parents. The Bible says when Jesus was 12 years old, they went to Jerusalem to celebrate a festival. And after the festival, the pilgrimage from Nazareth and those towns, they returned to their hometowns. Among them were Jesus' parents assuming, assuming that their own son was among the group that journeyed back. But after three days, 
they started looking for the 12-year-old boy. But he's not among the crowd. Do you know, I never felt what Mary and Joseph went through until the last two weeks when my son was lost. We went to a buffet to eat. And I assumed my son was among other children. But when they came, I asked, what's my son? And they said, we don't know. In that 10 minutes, I was walking around looking for my son. I never felt scared in my whole life before. I felt guilty because it's my responsibility to look after him. And that whole night when I had my son back, I went home, I couldn't sleep. I was looking at him, thinking about the impossibilities, what might happen. And I knew if he is lost, maybe I'm separated from my wife because we're going to blame one another. So the Bible says, Mary and Joseph went back to look for Jesus. Because they were assuming he was among the religious people that attended the festivals. Among the friends, among the families. Do you know friends, as Christians, we do not assume a relationship with Jesus. We should make sure that we have a personal relationship with him. Attending church services and mingling with other Christians is never and should never be a substitute for our relationship with God, with Jesus. And there is always a price to pay if Jesus is lost in our lives. There's fear, guilt, and time waste searching. And that time was supposed to be the time we spent with him. And they went back to where they lost him. And they found him. Secondly, it's a story in Luke chapter 24. A story about a lost Jesus through ignorance. The two disciples, probably Calliopus and his wife, returning to their homeland after the celebration of three important religious festivals. The Passover, the beginning of the unleavened bread, and the first fruits. Their journey took place on Sunday morning when Jesus was resurrected from death. And the Bible says, in verse 17, 13 and 17, 13 and up to 17, they were downhearted. They were sad. They were hopeless because they were thinking that Jesus would be the one who would help Israelites. But why? Why were they sad, feeling hopeless? Because they were ignorant. 
Even when Jesus joined the journey, talking to them, they didn't realize him. Why? Because they were ignorant. Lack of understanding about the significance of the events that took place in Jerusalem that weekend. 1821, they were ignorant of the significance of the Friday events. So here, they were walking on Friday, on Sunday morning, talking about the events on Friday. Twenty-two, twenty-four. They were ignorant because they didn't believe the story of the women. Verses twenty-two to twenty-four. They didn't believe the women's good news about the resurrected Savior because they were women. And then when Jesus joined them and asked. And they related the story of what took place on Friday. Jesus said, you fool. You fool. Why? They shouldn't enjoy the events of the weekend. But now they had long face. They were sad on their journey to their homeland. Because they were ignorant of what the Bible says. And they were blinded by the presence of Jesus on their journey home. They were hopeless and sad because they were talking about the event on Friday, though it was Sunday. They were ignorant of Jesus' presence, so their journey was long and sad and hopeless. Today, I promise to pastor I will preach a short sermon. I would like to challenge you to search your heart. Evaluate your relationship with Jesus. See if he is there. Because it is possible to lose him through negligence and ignorance. But the most important question this morning is this. How can I find him? How can I have a relationship with him if I lost him through negligence or through ignorance? Do you know church, as a church, we have some sacraments instituted by God to help us in our relationship with God. And I will mention only three before I sit down. Number one, the sacrament of baptism. If you lost Jesus through ignorance, this is where you can begin a relationship with him. Jesus said in John 5, verse 3, verse 5, when he was Talking with Nicodemus, unless one is born of water and the spirit, he can never enter the kingdom of God. He's talking about baptism. And Jesus said in a great commission, Matthew 28, Call we therefore, and what? Teach them, educate them, then baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy, Holy Spirit. And friends... If you lost Jesus through ignorance, lack of understanding, this is where 
you can begin a journey with him. Secondly, the sacrament of foot washing. If you lost Jesus through negligence, the Bible says you can reclaim that relationship with him through the sacraments of foot washing. You don't need to go back to baptize. God prepare a minimal baptism so that you can reclaim and continue your relationship with him. If you have your Bible, turn to John chapter 13. Remember the night, the last supper. There was no servant. The disciples, they were still arguing who would be the greatest. And none of them was willing to do the work of the servant that Jesus did it. And as he was washing the feet of his disciples, he came to Peter. <laughs> and Peter said, Jesus, you will never wash my feet. And Jesus said, Peter, if I don't wash your feet, you will never understand what I'm doing and you will never have hope for eternal life. Then Peter says, Jesus, not only my feet, but my whole body. <laughs> and Jesus said, in verse 10, I will read, Jesus said, to Peter. He who is bathed needs only to wash his feet, but is completely clean, and you are clean, but not all of you. Jesus here is using a symbolic language. The disciples were already baptized, already bathed. So here he said, those who already baptized but they lost Jesus through negligence. This is the sacraments for them to reclaim their relationship with God, reclaim their forgiveness, their justification, their sanctification, go to the minimal baptism of foot washing. And lastly, the Lost Supper. Do you know this sacrament is both for a negligent and an ignorant believer? These sacraments. A negligent and ignorant believer can all partake in this communion. Why? Because it's a sacrament that reminds us the price that God paid because he values our relationships with him. He values you Though we are all like sheep. And as we partake this sacrament of communion today and uh, food washing, remember the lesson that it portrays by these sacraments. What is the lesson? We cannot manage without God. We all need God. Amen. Sing as an appeal, come to Jesus.
come to jesus come to jesus just now we never conclude this morning worship without offering an invitation to those who need to join this flock of people that jesus is gathering we thank pastor jacob for reminding us and i'm wondering now who responds who among those seated here first of all you already a member of the church and you want to say i respond affirmatively i want to be one who recognizes that i am lost without him and i've made my decision and i hold my hand up on this communion sabbath saying lord i believe help you mine unbelief and help me to hang on would you like to raise your hand if you're out there and that's your position now what about you who are not members of the church maybe you happened to come because you saw the sign or you heard about the service maybe some friend or relative brought you today but this is your time your time to say yes to jesus your time to say yes I believe in the Ten Commandments. I didn't understand number four about the Sabbath and all that, but now I'm learning and I see it's right. And I want to keep all of God's commandments, including his holy Sabbath. And the reason I want to do it is that Jesus died for me and I want to respond by dying of self to him. Come to Jesus, come to Jesus. The doors of the church are open before we separate. We have a place for the men, a place for the women, a place for the couples today. But before we separate, We invite that man or woman who has not already made that decision or you've made it but you haven't told the world and you want to tell the world you want to tell God just raise your hand where you are I decide for Jesus bless you my dear who else our father in heaven we ask that your Holy Spirit will warm our hearts not just for these few moments of singing and preaching and praying, but may today's decisions and activities root and ground us so that we cannot be shaken. May we be fastened to the anchor, which is Christ Jesus and his love. Thank you for the recommitment. Thank you for those already here who've made their decisions and are being studied with and preparing for baptism and church membership. May Satan not extinguish that flame, but may each one of us determine that because of his love and faithfulness, we will love and be faithful to him and to his cause. In Jesus' name and for his sake we ask it. Amen. Thank you again, Pastor Jacob. Pastor Jacob always brings us a clear, concise message. The Lord has given him a mind to analyze the gospel and to present it in a beautiful way. The couples will be in the fellowship hall. 
to the south. The ladies will exit through the door here to my right and your left. The men may exit and go to your right as we leave the hall. Let's sing it as we go. Come to Jesus. Come to Jesus. Come to Jesus. Just now. As soon as you finish with the order of civility, please return. You may return to the fellows to this auditorium. Couples, if you like to serve each other, men and women, couples, you may go to the fellowship hall. The deacons and deaconesses are waiting for you. He will save you. He will save you. All the couples, you may exit through the door to your right, the door up front, to him over to Pilate, the governor. When Judas, who had betrayed him, saw that Jesus was condemned, he was seized with remorse and returned the 30 silver coins to the chief priests and the elders. Those of us who are in the congregation, while you're waiting for the others to come back, there's a presentation that's been prepared. I have sinned, So he you said, may enjoy. For I have betrayed innocent blood. What is that to us? They replied. That's your responsibility. So Judas threw the money into the temple and left. Then he went away and hanged himself. The chief priests picked up the coins and said, it is against the law to put this into the treasury since it is blood money. So they decided to use the money to buy the potter's field as a burial place for foreigners. That is why it has been called the field of blood to this day. Then what was spoken by Jeremiah the prophet was fulfilled. They took the 30 silver coins, the price set on him by the people of Israel, and they used them to buy the potter's field as the Lord commanded me.
Meanwhile, Jesus stood before the governor, and the governor asked him, Are you the king of the Jews? Yes, it is as you say. Jesus replied, When he was accused by the chief priests and the elders, he gave no answer. Then Pilate asked him, Don't you hear the testimony they are bringing against you? But Jesus made no reply, not even to a single charge, to the great amazement of the governor. Now it was the governor's custom at the feast to release a prisoner chosen by the crowd. At that time, they had a notorious prisoner called Barabbas. So when the crowd had gathered, Pilate asked them, Which one do you want me to release to you? Barabbas or Jesus, who is called Christ? For he knew it was out of envy that they had handed Jesus over to him. While Pilate was sitting on the judge's seat, his wife sent him this message. Don't have anything to do with that innocent man, for I have suffered a great deal today in a dream because of him. The chief priests and the elders persuaded the crowd to ask for Barabbas and to have Jesus executed. Which of the two do you want me to release to you? Asked the governor. They answered. What shall I do then with Jesus who is called Christ? Pilate asked. Why? What crime has he committed? Asked Pilate. But they shouted all the louder. When Pilate saw that he was getting nowhere, but that instead an uproar was starting, he took water and washed his hands in front of the crowd. I am innocent of this man's blood, he said. It is your responsibility. All the people answered, Let his blood be on us and on our children. Then he released Barabbas to them. But he had Jesus flogged and handed him over to be crucified. Then the governor's soldiers took Jesus into the praetorium and gathered the whole company of soldiers around him. They stripped him and put a scarlet robe on him 
and then twisted together a crown of thorns and set it on his head. They put a staff in his right hand and knelt in front of him and mocked him. Hail, King of the Jews! They said. They spit on him and took the staff and struck him on the head again and again. After they had mocked him, they took off the robe and put his own clothes on him. Then they led him away to crucify him. As they were going out, they met a man from Cyrene named Simon, and they forced him to carry the cross. They came to a place called Golgotha, which means the place of the skull. offered Jesus wine to drink mixed with gall, but after tasting it, he refused to drink it. When they had crucified him, they divided up his clothes by casting lots. And sitting down, they kept watch over him there. Above his head, they placed the written charge against him. This is Jesus, the King of the Jews. Two robbers were crucified with him, one on his right and one on his left. Those who passed by hurled insults at him, shaking their heads and saying, You, who are going to destroy the temple and build it in three days, save yourself, come down from the cross if you are the son of God. <laughs> the same way the chief priests, teachers of the law and the elders mocked him. Saved others, they said. But he can't save himself. He's the king of Israel. Let him come down now from the cross and we will believe in him. He trusts in God. Let God rescue him if he wants him. For he said, I am the Son of God. <laughs> In the same way, the robbers who were crucified with him also heaped insults on him.
sixth hour until the ninth hour, darkness came over all the land. About the ninth hour, Jesus cried out in a loud voice, Eloi, Eloi, Mama Savaitani, which means, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Some of those standing there heard this. They said, he's calling Elijah. Immediately, one of them ran and got a sponge, filled it with wine vinegar, put it on a stick, and offered it to Jesus to drink. But the rest said, I'll leave him alone. Let's see if Elijah comes to save him. Jesus had cried out again in a loud voice. He gave up his spirit. that moment, the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. The earth shook and the rocks split. The tombs broke open and the bodies of many holy people who had died were raised to life. They came out of the tombs and after Jesus' resurrection, they went into the holy city and appeared to many people. When the centurion and those with him who were guarding Jesus saw the earthquake and all that had happened, they were terrified and exclaimed, surely he was the Son of God. Many women were there watching from a distance. They had followed Jesus from Galilee to care for his needs. Among them were Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James and Joseph, and the mother of Zebedee's sons. As evening approached, there came a rich man from Arimathea named Joseph, who had himself become a disciple of Jesus. Going to Pilate, he asked for Jesus' body, and Pilate ordered that it be given to him. Joseph took the body, wrapped it in a clean linen cloth, and placed it in his own new tomb that he had cut out of the rock. He rolled a big stone in front of the entrance to the tomb and went away. Mary Magdalene and the other Mary were sitting there opposite the tomb. The next day, 
the one after preparation day, the chief priests and the Pharisees went to Pilate. Sir, they said, we remember that while he was still alive, that deceiver said, after three days I will rise again. So give the order for the tomb to be made secure until the third day. Otherwise his disciples may come and steal the body and tell the people that he's been raised from the dead. This last deception will be worse than the first. Take a guard, Pilate answered. Go make the tomb as secure as you know how. 